Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we reviewed the early start of the MCU with WandaVision. Could the final hit be out for Hitman? And are you ready to see a young Dwayne The Rock Johnson? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from pop culture cosmos, inside sports, fantasy football, game source, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. It's our own Joshy Josh and the Funky Bunch for pop culture cosmos you got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com his awesome book which you can get right now which is called congratulations you suck which you can get right now i said right now i meant right now on amazon and barnes and noble plus his great shows topic Ocalypse, and the super bs games cast it is my good friend it is josh peterson what's up man what's up you know it's funny i always try to think of like new intros for myself and then i remember that like you know what's up is overplayed but i i feel confident with it as opposed to like the overuse of it's your boy you know whoever you know that one always like annoys me you know and like no offense to brank who does that a lot on the super bs but like i just i can't i don't one i don't think i could pull that off and two i just it does not sound sincere you know well, so. there's also the one from the 90s. Yeah, I know. But I mean, like, what's up, everyone? That seems to be like the common podcast intro. And I, I feel like I'm comfortable putting my own spin on that. But we are going to have a great episode today. We're going to be talking about a lot of cool things that are out, including what's out right now. What's everybody talking about? It's the continuation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in WandaVision. We've seen the episodes, and so we're going to talk about the first two episodes that are out right now. In fact, everybody wants to talk about WandaVision, and not only do we have Josh and I going to talk about WandaVision in the first two episodes, but we're also going to have Noe and Fine from Honey Queen. He's going to talk a little WandaVision, plus also as well Disenchantment on Netflix Season 3. He wants to, he wants to let everybody know if it's still something that people should get into I know it's not exactly been the most popular series, but it's one that Netflix is still stuck with. 
How much longer does he feel that this show could continue? We're going to talk about that coming up later in the program. Plus, WandaVision is now so special. It's so hot. Everybody's talking about that even my own daughter, my beloved Elwin Glassford, will stop by on the program to talk about WandaVision as well. And of course, we got a lot of other things to talk about, including the possible final hits for Hitman in Hitman 3, as Hitman 3 debuts on consoles this week with a different direction for the developer that's going to be taken in the not-too-distant future. Could this be the last time we see a Hitman game? Plus, also as well, we're going to be talking a little bit about D&D. We're also going to be talking a little Rubik's Cube. And also going to be talking a little bit of Young Rock because Dwayne Johnson is executive producer on a brand new show for NBC coming out in February, and that's going to be a Young Rock TV show. So are you ready for a Young Rock TV show? We're going to talk about that on the program as well. But first, my friend and foremost, it is WandaVision. The first two episodes have been released. And I know you've been excited for it. I've been excited for it because we've all been excited for a continuation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe after over a year being away from our lives. So first off, my friend, your entry into the Marvel Cinematic Universe on Disney Plus with WandaVision do you really want to go into spoilers now? Do you think enough people have watched it? You tell me. We're going to go from here, spoilers and non-spoilers from this point forward. Uh, we don't have to spoil it. I mean, we can kind of brush the, the surface a little bit. You know, until I see another couple of episodes, I'm still not really, like, sure how I feel about it. So, you know, we just kick things off and give you my... Absolutely. You posture. kick that off right there. Kick it off. Kick it off. All right. So here's my initial thoughts on it. So we watched this on Friday night. You know, we kind of sat down after the kids went to bed and turned it on Disney Plus, kind of had the lights off so we can kind of zone in on this show. It is entertaining. You know, I don't regret having watched it, but it at the moment, you know, until I really know more about what's going on at the moment, it feels unnecessary. Hey, so that's... I mean, this might be a hot take, but. You know, again, glad I watched it. I, it's very entertaining. You know, I love the spin on the sitcoms because those are all things that, like, I, I don't want to say, like, I grew up watching it, but, like, my mom liked watching those because she grew up with them. And so when I grew up, she had watched a lot of those on, like, TV land, you know. So I, I recognized some of the sets there, especially the first one was the Dick Van Dyke show, right? And the second yes. one was from Bewitched. Bewitched, yeah. And they did a great job. You know, they did a great job reinventing those things. And I thought they did a great job of like reinventing some of the comedy on there. But right now it's like one of those like, okay, this is entertaining and it's cool. But why, why is it here? Why does it exist? Because you have audiences now tuned into this and it's two shows worth of like sitcom. And, you know, when it changes, you know, at the end of the second episode, they obviously changed some things. But when that changes and when the big change comes, and you find out why we're watching these sitcoms. It's going to make things feel out of place. You know, you're going to feel out of place for having watched it because I'm already starting to feel like I I'm no longer in the MCU, if that makes sense. Well, it does make sense because that's the general reaction I've heard from everybody. And now remember, and we've all got to remember this, that this wasn't supposed to be the initial show that gets you back into the marvel cinematic universe it was supposed to be falcon and the winter soldier but 
during the production of each of these shows. Unfortunately, Falcon and Winter Soldier got delayed more than WandaVision, so they kind of flip-flop their placement in the MCU. So at this point in time, I'm going to give it a little bit of slack, but not a whole lot. I mean, it was a loving tribute to those shows. There was a lot of stuff that they got from Mary Tyler Moore. They got a lot from her. They got, like I said, I Love Lucy and Lucille Ball. They got, uh, like we were talking about with Bewitched, Dick Van Dyke Show. I mean, they got a lot of influence in there from a lot of sources during early 50s and and late 50s and, and early 60s television. So they got a lot of imprint from stuff that I had already seen on many occasions when I was young. It was missing something for me as well. Even someone who has seen all the movies and tries to keep it up to date on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Josh, I, I agree with you. It was kind of missing something. I think a lot of people were looking more for a narrative, something that not only would help with the nostalgia factor, it didn't tell enough of what you wanted to see as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think that's probably something that a lot of people are saying at this point in time. I've heard a lot of reaction. I think that's the one thing that I've heard the most is that they wanted to move the overall cinematic universe forward. And unfortunately, it didn't do a good job of doing that. It's basically telling you their story with little hints, little subtle hints of, of things that are going on, whether the universe is being controlled by her or whether it's being controlled by a sword or some other outside force. There's little hints in it, but I think people wanted more, especially a lot of people that are just tuning into this, that are not as familiar with the MCU, that need a refresher on the MCU. I think, Josh, they needed a little bit more information, a little bit more inference that this was a part of the MCU, and I don't think they got that. Yeah, I agree. And again, like they have those parts, right? Where like she's obviously aware in this that something's wrong. Yeah. Right? And then the radio, I mean, that's been seen in the yeah. trailers where the radio, they're reaching out to her. Somebody's, you know, it's the voice of Randall Park from Ant-Man and the Wasp. He's the FBI agent and he's working with S.W.O.R.D. Yeah. And that's not a secret. That's been out there on the trailers. So, yeah, I get it. It's just little things, but it's not yeah. enough for people. And so that's my big thing here is that like watching these two episodes, like it felt good, right? Like, I don't know if that sounds weird, but it felt good and not in a good way. Like it felt good because like, I felt like I was back, you know, watching these black and white shows with my mom, but I know that there's something serious going on behind the scenes. And I know we've, we've talked about this before when shows or movies or, you know, whatever it might be, tries to change genres right in the middle of the season, it completely removes you from it. And you literally have to like force yourself back into it. And I envision, no pun intended, that happening with WandaVision because we're going to get, I'm assuming around episode four or five, we're going to start getting glimpses of what's actually going on. Or how it started in the first place. Because that's started. something I wanted to add because this yeah. seems like a trend in Hollywood where they start you in the middle of what's going on at the beginning of the series. Instead yeah. of telling you a beginning, a middle, and an end, it's already putting you in the middle and will tell you the beginning halfway through the series. But for people that are not as familiar with the MCU, I'm not sure if they're going to have enough patience to get to that point, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting too. Okay. Okay. So like a, a little background on, you know, we saw what happened to Scarlet Witch and you, we've seen in the trailers that she has kids, right? In one of the episodes, her and Vision are both holding little babies. 
So I don't know if you know anything about her kids. So it's Wiccan and Speed, if I remember their names from the comic books correctly. And if you yes. want more background on them, I'd highly recommend reading Avengers Disassembled and the House of M storylines and in the comic books. But their souls are part of Mephisto. I, I can't remember. Yeah, Mephisto. And then it's the entry point for mutants and the X-Men in the yeah. MCU. Yes, but I'm curious because I've heard rumors that Wanda is actually going to be in Doctor Strange. So I'm wondering if like these yes. shows are going to be or this show is going to tie together with what's going on in Doctor Strange movie. But And it's also supposed to tie in to somewhat a little bit to what's going on in Spider-Man 3 with their multiverse as well so yeah she is in london now that's the reason why she was doing press from london was because she was filming dr strange and the multiverse as well, so. yeah yes again like i appreciate the new content i appreciate what's happening and like i really really enjoyed is the second episode right where they're doing the magic show like yes and I think that's that's one of the best things about it, man. Do you, yeah. I like the way that they interact with each other and that the yeah. comedy that they did. Yeah, that is that was really cool. You, yeah, because you would never know that Paul Bettany can be funny. I mean, he was funny in A Knight's Tale when he played Chaucer, but like he hasn't been in anything in a long time that's really showcased how funny he is as an actor and a person. And this is something that really like brought that side out. And it was nice to see that. It made you wonder, like, they should have more genres that feature like super powered people doing funny things, you know, like you just don't see that in movies just in general. No, so, I mean, unless it's something like Deadpool where it's way out there. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so anyways, like my thoughts again, like I'm glad for having watched it and like, it felt good to watch, but at the same time, like I know that that feeling that I got while watching that warmth and nostalgia I got while watching that is going to completely go away. And I'm going to be, just yanked right out of it like being unplugged from the matrix when they start revealing what's going on in this show and i'm gonna have to try somehow to force myself back into it and that's a big concern of mine with this show moving forward i'm also very curious what other shows they're going to be recreating in this also because again they did a great job with the uh, first episode with dick van dyke and the second episode with bewitched, bewitched like, yeah. they did a really great job with that like you said for me the second episode was a, a little bit better than the first not only the nostalgia factor but also trying to integrate it more into what the mcu is trying to say and trying to tell and the overarching storyline but the way that they're going about it it's a slow burn and that's the thing for new audiences getting into it for the first time or getting really back into it or people that didn't watch all the movies this is going to be something that they're going to have to try and and work into it is a slow burn, you know, two ways about it. But it is something that, again, you and I appreciated the attention to detail when it comes to the nostalgia part of it. It's just the storytelling. Like you said, you're going to be yanked out of it once it comes to fruition exactly how this whole thing started, how it all happened. It puts you right in the middle of what's going on already from the beginning. And I'm not sure that was the right way to go about it because the trailer shows you a beginning of how maybe it started the trailer shows you a little bit of of what's going on before this takes place so i think that probably would have been better maybe a rudimentary way of doing it beginning middle and end just to get everybody back up to speed because again it's been over a year since we've last seen anything new from the marvel cinematic universe i would have appreciated more of a traditional entry point not just 
right there in the nostalgia. I think that would probably have been better. Would that have been better for you? It's just like, okay, you see her, she's grieving, she's lost. She's she's not sure what to do next. And then whatever happens, happens, whether she creates this world, creates this universe, or whether it gets created for her. I would have liked to seen that happen first and foremost. I get it. They're trying to build intrigue. And I'm sure we're going to get like a lot of flashbacks throughout this show or like brief glimpses of like, again, what's going on on the outside world. And yeah, it would have been nice to at least like maybe not given a lot away, but at least shown us something that kind of makes us feel connected to the MCU once again. Because this, you know, outside the nifty little intro that has all the comic book pages turning and the, you know, clips from the different Marvel movies, this does not really feel connected to the MCU outside of the characters in the show. So if they could have like showed us or shown us something, whether it's like Vision's dead body laying in a lab or or Scarlet Witch having a black bag put over her head showing she's been kidnapped or something, just some little tiny thing that makes it feel like we are connected and makes it feel like it's worth watching. For people that are just getting into it, it's going to be very... I don't know. It's going to be a little bit tougher for them, for them to watch because, again, they're looking for something. They're not understanding where things are at. This takes place after Avengers Endgame. This is 2023. This is when, just you know, after Iron Man has saved the day and everything has gone on with the funeral and all that. This takes place after that. So you know, it's it's just it's a time right now where people have to go ahead and be patient with it. But I'm not sure everybody's going to be patient with this series in order to get where they need to get to help explain what's going on with this multiverse, with the MCU and everything going on. So I'm hoping people will give it a chance. Again, I love the notes of nostalgia, but I think there should have been a more of a beginning, a solid beginning. Then you go into this and then you go into what you want to go ahead and continue into down the road for the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all the other television shows, which you're going to go ahead and produce time in, time out. And we're going to see week in, week out on Disney+. Plus. So that's my thoughts on it. That's Josh's thoughts on it. I know we'll be sharing a little bit more coming up later in the program with not only Noe and Fine from Honey Queen, but also my own daughter, who will also be on the show as well. First for us, although actually she's on the tail end. If you ever listen all the way to the end, she's always on our shows as well. But I do want to go ahead and hear your thoughts out there and read your thoughts. So please let us know your thoughts on the first two episodes of WandaVision. And you can keep on keeping on telling us your thoughts on WandaVision each and every week. Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. People are just losing their minds trying to consume Marvel products right now, and I don't blame them. This is some of the best entertainment you can get on TV and big screen right now. If something's going to be successful or not, they look at the mentions, they look at the likes, they look at the retweets and the tweets and the subtweets and the tweet tweets, and they look at all of that to say, okay, this is actually going to garner a lot of attention. Is it going to be enough, though? I think the fish out of water syndrome might be enough for somebody like us because it's going to be hilarious to watch two stoner kids we saw barely make it through high school now live in a society that they fully don't understand because they've been stuck in a decade and never came out of it. 
Facebook stars, not ninja stars, okay? I know how some people take things literally. So don't throw ninja stars at us, but like the Facebook stars. Click on those. That's what we want. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, before we hit the half hour break, and then again, Noe and Fine and my daughter, Ellen Glassford, on the show talking WandaVision, I wanted to go ahead and hit you up on this. Hitman 3 comes out this week, and I wanted to go ahead and hear your thoughts on it because it could very well be the last Hitman game for a long time because IO Interactive is going to be working on the next James Bond game and have not committed to doing another Hitman game. So I want to hear your thoughts on the legacy of Hitman and could this really be the end of the Hitman era? So, I mean, this is a franchise for me that I don't have a lot of history with. I did play the last like set of Hitman games and they were fun. You know, they were the ones that were released episodically. I did enjoy my time with those. And I do remember Hitman premiered on the PlayStation 2, if I am... I think so, yes. Correctly. I think it's a PS2. So, like, I I totally admire just the length at which it's been around. Because it's hard for major franchises to do that. Especially since Hitman went from being, like, this big second-party game to being this kind of being released by a smaller studio. And so, yeah. like, I, I totally commend them for sticking around that long. I have heard great things about Hitman. Really, again, like I said, really enjoyed playing the last one. You know, that being said, I will probably play Hitman 3. I just don't know when I'm going to get around to playing it. Just love all the creative things that you can do in it. You know, I love the the kills that, okay, and please don't take this way out there, everyone, or when we're talking, we're just talking in the video game, please. Don't go any further than that. I just enjoy when you go ahead and get rid of your targets by some creative fashion, whether it is you're you're on the grill working and you've got the chef's hat and you've got the apron on and somehow you manage to go ahead and eliminate your target that way. Or if you go like, for instance, manage to get them taking a look at the view and, oh, that's a great view. And then somehow you've manipulated your way through and you just, and they yeah. fall, you know, their death and whatnot. So it, it just the interesting ways you can do it, the creative ways you can find out, you know, hacking into a system like two floors below or mm-hmm. just finding ways to poison your enemies or the targets that you're going after. Just the different and creative ways you can go ahead and complete your missions. It's the best way to describe Hitman and why it's been so endearing for all these years. Yeah, and it's always fun to go on YouTube and see the different ways that people do things. And I'm surprised too that like, Hitman is slowly coming to an end, but Assassin's Creed is not. And Assassin's Creed doesn't have nearly the amount of creativity that Hitman has. You know, that's that's always been kind of interesting. Well, remember, IO Interactive was a part of Square Enix. IO Interactive was by itself, I think, at one point in time, independent, got bought yeah. out by Square Enix. Fox. Hitman 2 was on Square Enix, and I guess it didn't get the kind of sales or reception that they wanted. Yeah. So they, they kicked them to the curb and they split up. And IO Interactive is self-producing this, but their future is set because they've got the James Bond game that they're going to be doing, which mm-hmm. is really cool that we're going to be seeing a standalone James Bond game. Plus, as we heard from last week, a standalone Indiana Jones game, which I'm so excited about. Yeah. So, so yes, they're reviving all these franchises, which I was, I'm so happy about. 
But the future of Hitman, I think they will or someone will go back to Hitman at some point in time, but it's going to be a while. And that's a shame because it's got a niche all of its own. Yeah, it does. It does. And it's definitely like you said, what gives it so much personality is being able to play the game how you want to play the game. Right. There's no there's no linear path. There are objectives, but they're not like you have to do it this way, this way or this way. You can kind of just play the game your own style and do it at your own pace. And I think that's what's always given the Hitman games character on the James Bond front. Like, I honestly could think of no better company to make a James Bond game than io interactive just because you know you look at the things that they've done with hitman and you imagine that being put into a like a a 007 mind and it could do really really great things i think the only thing they'd have to really focus on is like how to do combat right like there's yeah you can like punch people in hitman but if you look at a lot of the fight scenes in james bond games are very like stylized so you'd have to like mix kind of a brawler like mechanics with the hitman type mechanics i think they could do it but it just might not be an easy job plus you gotta have some cool scenes with the aston martin yeah you have to be able to romance people and then break their hearts and all all kinds of things attached drink vodka martinis shaken not stirred not stirred yeah it's gonna be good man yeah i'm 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 excited about it it's going to be very interesting to see that version and how io interactive sees the james bond whole genre when it comes to it as far as how they're going to go ahead and portray that next game but for now hitman 3 comes out this week i know a lot of people are looking forward to it we're looking forward to it again it's not ever been at the top of our list but it's been something we truly enjoy seeing and sometimes interacting with i loved again going to youtube as well like you josh and checking out people's variating kills the way they go ahead and get rid of their targets all the destructive and creative ways that they go ahead and do so so i love watching those clips and again i truly appreciate the time that io interactive has spent with hitman but i don't blame them after so many years of working on specific game franchise that they want to go ahead for this time maybe even longer and go into a different direction Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure there's other projects that they would like to work on. And, you know, they gave Hitman such a great run and there's nothing saying they can't revitalize it after a while. But three is such a lucky number, you know, or or a great number to end a franchise on. It'll be a really great game. Absolutely. I think they will return or someone will return to the Hitman franchise at some point in time. It's just going to be a while. So hopefully everyone out there will get their taste of Hitman and the kills and everything they want to do to go ahead and eliminate their targets this year. But we're looking forward to Hitman 3 because it will probably be the last time for a while we see Agent 47 on our video game screens. What are your thoughts out there on Hitman 3? Please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Are you going to be able to get a chance to play it for the final time? Because I think it's going to be gone from our video game lives for a little while after Hitman 3 is done. But we will be excited to see, for now, all the interesting and creative ways that Agent 47 will be taking out its targets coming up in Hitman 3, coming out this week for all the video game systems. Well, my friend, before we hit the break, I wanted to go ahead and mention real quickly, I know I said it earlier, but the Indiana Jones game by Machine Games from Bethesda, that was announced as part of the rebranding of Lucasfilm Games. 
you talked about how IO Interactive is a perfect developer to go after James Bond. How good machine games, makers of one of your favorites of mine, the Wolfenstein series, how prophetic is that for them to go after Indiana Jones? I honestly like that it made at first I was like, that's kind of a weird company to make this game. But then I thought about like some of the mechanics of Wolfenstein and like there's a lot of running and gunning and Jeep stuff like World War Two. You know, that's granted a very like science fiction World War Two. But like that is what Indiana Jones should be, you know, because it yeah, it has a lot to do with like the Nazis. and There's a lot of stuff taking place in the, the gameplay is almost that I imagine a great Indiana Jones game having is almost exactly like Wolfenstein. And, Absolutely. It's, yeah. I think it's going to take place in between Temple of Doom and then Last Crusade. I think it's 1937, I think, on the trailer it was shown. Oh, so it's canon also. So that's yes. very cool. Yes. I am on board 100% for this game. I am stoked. Looks like they're going ahead. If you look at the trailer and if it goes to what the trailer says, looking at Vatican, possibly Egypt and the pyramids. So it looks like it's going to hit a lot of different places. And it's going to be one of those globe trekking adventures once again for Indiana Jones. But we're excited for it. I know I am. I know Josh is as well as Bethesda takes a crack at Indiana Jones as well. But coming up next, it is Noe and Fine from Hunting Queen. He's going to be talking about WandaVision, of course, and also Disenchantment on Netflix. Season three, of he's going to be talking about that. Plus also my daughter, one of my daughters, one of my awesome daughters, Ellen Glassford. She had her two cents she wanted to put in in regards to WandaVision. So you'll hear that coming up as well. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. <laughs> Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McGallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. I get every now and then the pleasure of really having some awesome guests. And no more guest is awesome than the guest I'm talking to right now because we're related. Actually, it's one of my awesome daughters. I have two awesome daughters and an awesome son and an awesome wife. But this is in our household the resident MCU expert when it comes to everything going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is truly a great and outstanding pleasure for me to be interviewing for the first time ever for this show. And she's been a vehement supporter of this show now for several years. And I truly appreciate it. You hear her on the back end of every show that happens to appear on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel is my wonderful, beautiful, and intelligent, and also my MCU ready daughter. 
It is Elowen Glassford. And Elowen, great to have you on the program here today to talk about some WandaVision, aren't you? Thanks for finally having me on the show. I'm no, so uh, I've excited. Asked you, I've asked you, you have. more. Yes. But uh, I'm, si- yes. I'm excited to finally be here. Yes, I'm excited as you are for you to be here. But just don't tell your mom. Just don't tell your mom. I know you watched with me the first two episodes of WandaVision. And to get you on the show, it really compelled you, this restart, this kickback into the Marvel Cinematic Universe to get you back involved with the MCU once again. So I know you're really excited to talk WandaVision. I want to hear your thoughts. Please let me know your thoughts on the first two episodes of WandaVision. I was super excited that Phase 4 of the MCU was kicking off with WandaVision. Personally, I know people really like those big Avengers that had their own movies and stuff. Those are most people's favorite but I've always been a fan of the sort of side Avengers. So I'm glad that Disney Plus gets to explore those characters. And Wanda and Vision, I really love those characters. So I'm excited and so happy that we get to finally learn more about them and see their story. I want to know your thoughts on the first two episodes. I know you, you heard my intro with Josh as we spoke about it and I know we had some thoughts in regards to being at a slow burn for anyone out there because of the fact it kind of just pops you in and right of the middle of a situation that's already going on where she's already involved in this world, this universe. What were your thoughts as you stepped into it right in the middle of a, let's say, a devoted episode to the nostalgic days of I Love Lucy the Dick Van Dyke show, those episodes from the past, what were your thoughts of stepping right into it as far as from that standpoint? I'm not as familiar with those classic sitcoms, but I think it really is very interesting how you are just, you're in automatically in that world. And I think that actually adds to the mystery of the series. We're used to sort of build up for these Marvel things you're the MCU expert in our house, and you know more than anyone in the house in regards to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But yet, even you were kind of, I don't want to say confused, but kind of startled and taken aback about where this started. Did you find yourself a little bit out of sorts when it comes to the start of WandaVision? A little bit, but I think that's what they're trying to do. I think that the creators of the show are trying to make the audience startled as to where this is all coming from. I'm not sure I enjoyed it as much because of that. I, mean, I still liked it. And of course, I enjoyed the loving nods to all those nostalgic black and white sitcoms from the earlier days, especially the ones that I saw when I was a young kid on my old television going way back when. But I wanted to ask you this. I mean, for anyone that wants to get involved with it, because they do have Disney Plus and they checked out Soul and they checked out Mulan and they've watched all the stuff on Disney Plus and they're... Not as devoted fans as you are or as I am to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Do you see it sort of as a stumbling block? I mean, your sister is not as avid of a fan and she was not entertained with the first two episodes. So I want to hear your thoughts. Is this going to be something that is going to be a little bit of a harder sell to someone who's not a devoted fan of the MCU? I think at least now people can get into it because you don't need much knowledge for the first few episodes, it seems like. 
while they're traveling in time, you don't need much knowledge of the universe to understand the whole show. For now, it, they're mostly playing with sitcom tropes, and I don't believe that you need much MCU knowledge for at least the first few episodes. As it gets later in the season, the cast has teased the Marvel fights that we expect in the last few episodes to wrap up the series. So maybe then non-Marvel fans might turn it off. But I think for now, I think non-MCU fans could really enjoy it. Really? Okay. Because I was thinking actually kind of the opposite. For me, because for someone that's coming in that's fresh or didn't see many of the MCU films or only saw a couple of the big ones, and if they're not as familiar with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, checking out WandaVision, the first couple episodes, for me, I think if they sat in it now would be kind of a harder deal for them. And that if what you're saying is true and on the back end of the series, that they're going to have the more traditional action tropes and action things that you see in all the Marvel Cinematic Universe films on the back end of the series that they would be more accustomed and comfortable to that as opposed to what they're watching now. Well, right now I think it's just sitcoms, but with some Marvel references and characters, but I don't think you need a whole MCU knowledge right now. I think actually this is a good way to get into the MCU with the series because it's just right now, as I said, sitcoms throughout the decades. And that's what they're going to continue to follow. I mean, like I said, they are following the pattern of the 50s with the Dick Van Dyke show and a little bit of a nod to I Love Lucy. You know, when you have Wanda Maximoff, a.k.a. Elizabeth Olsen, paying homage in the way she looks and the way she patterns herself after Mary Tyler Moore, uh, the Dick Van Dyke show, who later on had her own show for many, many years and evolved into the second episode, which is patterned after an episode more like Bewitched. They're great nods to TV history, but I'm glad you're entertained by it. Are you excited for what's coming up in episode three? I am. I think it's going to be a really fun one. I believe it's based off the Brady Bunch, and I think we're finally going to see Scarlet Witch and Vision's twins, who I'm really excited to see in the MCU because they grow up to be really cool superheroes yes and that uh, kicks off i believe what is the initiation to the marvel cinematic universe for mutants and eventually leading into the x-men possibly so we'll see what happens there and again it's going to be an homage throughout the decades of various sitcoms including elizabeth olsen paying homage to her own sisters later on when it comes to family ties so that's going to be something that is going to be very interesting to see but I'm also looking forward to seeing how they're going to recognize and get the underlying tones a little bit more out there so that people will be able to associate more with what's going on in the MCU. Because I have a feeling, and I'm seeing out there responses, that people are watching something that's pertinent to the MCU. So before we head on out, I wanted to go ahead and ask you this. What are you most excited for with WandaVision? Are you excited for for the nostalgia part of it? Or are you excited about more lead-ins to a larger universe that's out there and what it ties into as far as for either good or for the bad when it comes to the MCU? I'm excited to see the why all of this is happening because my theory, I don't think Wanda is doing this to herself. I think someone is doing this to Wanda. So I'm excited to see why, and we know that this series is going to lead into Doctor Strange 2, 
So I'm excited to see how that happens and how Wanda is at the end of the series. And I'm really excited to see the tie-ins to the rest of the MCU. As am I, my dear, as am I. Once again, it's my beautiful daughter, Ellen Glassford. Hopefully you will be seeing her on future episodes, talking more great episodes of WandaVision. You know you're always welcome here. You always have been, and I truly appreciate every single bit of support that you've given the Pop Culture Cosmos over the years. Hopefully I will see you next week. I hope so, for some 70s WandaVision. We're going to be going into my decades that I'm more familiar with, that I was alive for. So how does that make you feel? We're going to get into places that even your dear old dad might know. Oof, that's all I have to say. She is our resident MCU expert. It is Ellen Glassford. So I hope we will be getting her on for more episodes on the show. But again, Ellen, I want to go ahead and thank you so much and truly appreciate you stopping by and being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? And certainly not to be outdone with any comments on WandaVision because everyone is talking about WandaVision right now out there in social media. I see it all over the place. Everybody seems to be talking about WandaVision and here to put his two cents in on the first two episodes of WandaVision is my good friend. You got to check out what he's doing today at Honey Queen on Facebook. It is Noah Ian Fine and Noah. I love this series. I couldn't tell. Here's the thing, because I grew up on Nick at Night, and there were a lot of, of the 50s and 60s shows that in the 80s would appear on Fox New York in the early morning or late afternoon on the weekdays. So I had Bewitched, and I Dream of Jeannie, and Gilligan's Island, and I Love Lucy. And then when they moved over to Nick at Night and the TV Land Channel. So WandaVision, I think, pays a nice little homage to this. But the problem is, is that you really had to at least watch Civil War to understand the relationship between Vision and Wanda. Ultron. Yeah, because that's where they were introduced. But it was Civil War where we saw the relationship between Vision and Wanda and then how it carried over into the Infinity War. There were some plot holes because I, I really didn't know after Civil War what they were doing. And then all of a sudden in Infinity War, there are a couple because that's what they were in the comics for a while. But I kind of had a, my own theory on this is that after she lost Vision and she almost took apart Thanos in Endgame, that she is either in this pocket universe that she created. So I do like the fact that the first two episodes do feel like Bewitched. And, and even the introduction for both those episodes, because one of them has a theme song and then the other one, how they kind of changed to Bewitched where they, they didn't have a song, but they played a theme and you saw the characters animate themselves. So I really thought that was a nice little touch. I love the commercials in between the episodes. I, at first I didn't realize that Sword, because I know Sword was involved and I heard they were going to come in, but Elizabeth Olsen is awesome. She really gets down her inner Elizabeth Montgomery. And she reminds me a lot of Mary Tyler Moore. She evokes yes. a lot of Mary Tyler Moore yes. from the Dick Van Dyke show. Not her own show, 
but what she did in the black and white Dick Van Dyke show it does have some scenes that kind of evoke I Love Lucy in the first episode, but it really evokes more of the structure of the Dick Van Dyke show. And in fact, Dick Van Dyke did speak to Marvel about some of the things that he experienced during those days. So he did provide some input to the producers and director of the first episode for that 1950s look. Everything seems to work. And I do like there are times it feels like Truman Show where they know that something is not right and they're being watched. But I will say this much. I really was hoping that this could have been seasons. I really like them staying in the black and white world because I miss those shows. But I'm really glad that they're treating this with the dignity and respect and they're doing it in their own way. But yes, I will say it again. Olsen is channeling Montgomery and Mary Tower Moore. Paul Bettany is, is definitely Dick Van Dyke and Dick York. I'm really glad that Elizabeth Olsen is going to continue as well Paul Bettany because I'm really kind of curious how all this is going to wrap up. And I would like to see a separate Scarlet Witch movie. And I know that Elizabeth Olsen, she was great because when she appeared as Scarlet Witch for Age of Ultron, you could find it on YouTube. She did discuss the history and what happened with Wanda. So I'm sure they're going to stay as true to the comics as they can in a way, even though this is a Disney TV show and they can't go through every nook and cranny of, of what they did in the comics. But yes, I do believe in House of M or Avengers Disassembled. I think you talked about this with Josh as well, that they did have something where Wanda did have a breakdown and was bending reality apart. You really like WandaVision, the first two episodes. I think they're okay. But again, the homages to the classic television sitcoms of the past is truly something that is attention to detail that is second to none. I really enjoyed that aspect of it. So I am also going to give it a thumbs up as well. But again, I don't give it as high a thumbs up, but I give it a thumbs up as well. But before we head on out, my friend, I know Disenchantment is now in season three on Netflix. This is a season, this is a series that, okay, from Matt Groening, it's not his most remembered piece of work. And it's something that I think a lot of people were surprised it's still around because yes. a lot of people, especially with the first season, I don't want to say it was maligned, but it, it was just all over the place critically. A lot of people didn't really like it. A lot of people thought it was all right, but it's not something people scream about. It's not no. something, yeah, it's so great. It's the greatest thing. Season two came around. A lot of people thought it was a little bit better. Again, obviously it's gotten enough views or they're paying Matt Groening a lot of money because of the fact that it's still on the air where you see a lot of other shows that you think are going to be popular don't get the same kind of love from Netflix or get the early boot from Netflix. So before we head on out, I thought I'd give you some time to go ahead and talk about Disenchantment Season 3. And is it still something that people should go out of their way to see? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Because I think this is the strongest season, but it just doesn't have the punch that Futurama or earlier seasons of The Simpsons had. And it's a shame because you have a very talented voice cast from Futurama, Billy West and John Gimaggio and Mamoulis Romash and Tress McNeil. And they do their best. And Abby Jacobson is Princess Bean. She's no Tarangalila from Futurama. So why is this the strongest season? The first season gave us an introduction of Princess Bean about a princess who didn't want to be a princess. She wanted to be more. Season two dealt with her 
going into this steam land and being accused of being a witch because she's interested in technology. And now season three, she's found a way to come back to the kingdom of dreamland and try to be more adult and less adventurous and care about her father, the king, played by John DiMaggio, as well as trying to move her kingdom forward. So I have to say for the first two seasons, it was a C, but this season is a B. It's getting there, and what saves it are these cliffhanger endings, but it's definitely no first 15 seasons of Simpsons, and it's definitely no... Futurama, and I really wish that would be brought back, especially since Disney acquired 20th Century Fox, and there were rumors that Disney wants Futurama to come back. So I feel that there's hope they're getting there, but again, if, if you really are a fan of these voice actors and Matt Groening, I go back to what I said before. Go back to Futurama or Simpsons. But it is no way and fine. He is the man indeed from Hunnicween. You got to check out what he's doing today at Hunnicween or the Hunnic Outcast on Facebook. Appreciate your thoughts on Disenchantment and, of course, on the first two episodes of WandaVision. So we look forward to hearing your thoughts on pop culture continuously right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank so much Noe and Fine and also as well my daughter, Ellen Glassford, for stopping by on today's program. Hopefully we will hear from them again on upcoming episodes on various topics in pop culture. Was so excited to get my daughter on in regards to her thoughts on WandaVision because she really wanted to go ahead and share some thoughts on that. Truly cannot thank both of them enough for stopping by on the program today. But before we head on out, my friend, I got a couple things I want to hit at you. In fact, we didn't get a chance to talk about this too much on the Marvel Cinematic Universe because we just touched on WandaVision. But your thoughts on Ethan Hawke coming to Moon Knight as the villain this is something that he has always wanted to go ahead and be part of a big franchise. And there's no bigger franchise out there than the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, a very decorated actor has had some great roles. And it looks like that he's now got his wish to be part of a major franchise. I love Ethan Hawke. You know, I think that he is great in everything he does. I really enjoyed him in Sinister. And He's got a lot of depth as an actor. So, I mean, I can see him playing a villainous role. Can I see him playing a physically villainous role? I can't. And so that's why I'm so fascinated by the news that he's going to be playing the villain in Moon Knight because Moon Knight is a very physically violent character. So I'm excited to see what happens with it. But at the same time, like I'm having a hard time picturing exactly what it is. Charlie Cox was also in the news because he's been someone that a lot of people have wanted to see in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that is based off his work as Daredevil in the Netflix series. And you and I, way back when, used to talk about the Netflix series. And you had no higher praise for any of the shows than what you saw out of Daredevil. And it is probably the most beloved character out of those Netflix defenders 
And I want to hear your thoughts about Charlie Cox, who was rumored that he's already filmed some scenes for Spider-Man 3. So it looks like he's going to be in there. I'm assuming it's going to probably be as the attorney and not Daredevil at this point in time. Here's the thing. Like, yes, it's really cool to have Charlie Cox in Spider-Man, but they can't have him in there without having at least a glimpse of him in his Daredevil costume. What are your thoughts on the Netflix Defenders heading over into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we head on out, want to go ahead and talk a few more things, catching you up on pop culture. The Rubik's Cube, man, from the 80s. In fact, I've got one here in the house. My youngest daughter, Arwen Glassford, she absolutely loves playing and trying to figure out the Rubik's Cube. I used to have a little one on a keychain and a big one as well back in the day in the 80s. I'm actually admitting to it. So I want to hear your thoughts on the Rubik's Cube now coming back into our lives with a possible game show and movie in the works because of the success from the Queen's Gambit show on Netflix. Honestly, I have no thoughts on this because, again, like you said, I don't know how you can make a movie out of it. Just like Hasbro was talking about making a Connect 4 movie. Like, I don't know how any of that stuff works. Battleship was an interesting concept, an entertaining movie to not take seriously and not ever watch again. But, I mean, I just I don't see something like that happening for a Rubik's Cube movie, you know, unless it is based on like what the queen's gambit is right it has nothing to do with the property itself but maybe like a competition like i could totally see that happening speaking of hasbro you know they own the wizards of the coast and so we talked a couple weeks back about dungeons dragons movie being made with chris pine being involved and now there's a television series that's going to be in the works as well so Dungeons and Dragons, which, as you and I both know, has garnered a lot of popularity in recent years with the advent of streaming. And we do streaming here on Mondays and Tuesdays for various Dungeons and Dragons games that we're playing, including right now The Fall of Haven and Demolition Force. And shout out to the crew that's a part of that every Monday and Tuesday here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But Dungeons and Dragons is now to the point where a lot of people are taking notice in Hollywood. So not only do they have a film in the works, but a television series as well. So all these different properties, my friend, that nostalgia, a little bit of nostalgia comes back into it. We saw it with WandaVision in the first two episodes. Now we see it again in all these shows being developed, these movies being developed based off of properties that were created, a lot of them based off of stuff that was created or popularized in the 80s. And what does that tell you when, when so much nostalgia is built in for that decade? Plus also the 90s, there's some stuff there as well that, that a lot of people like to go ahead and, and look at. And a lot of people in Hollywood are actually thinking about going back into. But what does this tell you as far as so much nostalgia being reborn again in different formats and, and in different fashions? Either people are craving this. And again, like like I said with WandaVision, it's entertaining and I don't regret having watched it. But what it's telling me is that either they're making assumptions about the market or this is what the market is. And if it is what the market is, this has been going on for a long time. You know, like this is what gave birth to the superhero genre in film anyways, is because people wanted to go back and relive their childhood through the movies. Because again, like this is in its own way is not original content, right? Like they're just kind of mimicking what's already been done. So this goes to show me that like 
we're not going to get a lot of original content and this multiverse stuff is just going to be their way of kind of like justifying what they're doing. And I really hope that that's not the case. I hope that this all has a point to it. So if you're in nostalgia, you're going to get quite a bit more of it here in the future for pop culture. But before we head on out, something else that bases off our nostalgia, and that is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. And not him now, but him in the past. As a kid, as a young adult, as someone that's starting out in the business, because the Young Rock TV show debuts on February 16th on NBC. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, of course, is overseeing the project, but there's stories based off of his life, but maybe giving a little bit of Hollywood context to it, of course. But I want to hear your thoughts on a Young Rock TV show as it delves into various phases of his life, but I want to hear your thoughts on a Young Rock TV show as it debuts next month on NBC. I don't want to watch it. You know, I probably will. I get suckered into watching one or two episodes, but it has nothing to do with The Rock. I wasn't interested in watching a Young Sheldon TV show. I just like didn't care that much. It's like, you know, I really, really like the Deftones, right? You know, I talked about that in an episode, but not enough to really go back and read any biographies on the people in the band. And, you know, with The Rock, again, I really, really like The Rock, but not enough to really care about what his childhood might have been like. Or his young adults or how he broke into the wrestling business or anything of that nature, which you will see a re-dramatization of or in a sitcom type fashion coming up in February 16th on NBC. What about a young Josh Peterson show? That has a ring to it. I don't think people would be very interested in that. It'd just be a lot of episodes of me playing with Power Ranger toys. All right. There's a number one hit right there for you. But what are your thoughts out there on a Young Rock TV show? Are you excited to delve into the past? A different kind of way of showing the past for Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough, as always, for being a part of it. Any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, I would maybe next week we can sit down and talk about some of the uh, games coming out because I'm like looking at some of these 2021 game release lists and like it's it's very barren. I don't know if you've you've taken a look at any of them, but like it, it is very, very barren. And I feel like we thought that 2020 was going to show some of the effects of COVID. But I mean, I looking at 2021, I think this is really like now we're starting to see the aftermath of COVID, especially in the video game industry. So I'm seeing another year where Nintendo Switch wins the console war just for existing. Well, let me ask you this before we head on out. Do you think a lot of these companies weren't prepared to go into the next console generation? No, they weren't. And here's the thing, and and I'm sure like the devs probably had the dev kits they needed for these new consoles, but they were probably not wanting to put the funding into creating next gen stuff because Sony and Microsoft themselves had not made any announcements about when these consoles were coming out until about a month before they came out. And I think that that's kind of slow development on a lot of things. And you mix that with people working from home and having to shut down and it does not create a great thing, especially since you look at some of the things coming out, these are things, yeah, they're either remasters of things that came out on last gen consoles or they're things that have been in development for a long time. Like we're not seeing anything cutting edge or new, you know, and as for like Halo Infinite, that game's already been built. They're just polishing it. So 
I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping that it's not as dry as it looks that we're going to get some really cool announcements, but who knows? You know, in March though, we've got mass effect. And so. you know, here's the thing that disappoints me too, is that like, I was excited about Assassin's Creed Valhalla and I don't know if anyone out there has encountered it any of the many many game breaking glitches they have in that game but i came across one last night and i lost six hours of gameplay and i can't finish the game until i beat this thing so now i'm just stuck here waiting for a patch to eventually come out that will let me finish the game so even a big game like assassin's creed you'd expect them to have their stuff together but they don't it's happening all over my friend in the video game industry and that's Kind of concerning for us as video game fans and gamers coming up here in 2021. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. Attention, people of Earth! Looking for a way to kill half an hour every week? Try the Flopcast! It's a silly podcast about cartoons, music, comics, movies, obscure pop culture from the 70s and 80s, and chickens. Join us! Bring coffee! We're on the ESO network, and we're at Flopcast.net. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangentbound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.